Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice M. And I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today is Monday. It is August the 29th, 2016. Today we're reading from the big book in Chapter 7, Working with Others. We're going to be on page 95 with the very first paragraph, unless your friend wants to. And today's readers are for the 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous, Esther F., the 12 Traditions of or Overeaters Anonymous, and Marie M. And our readers for the text this morning will be Carrie P., Santa H., and Chelsea H. Now, the reference number for yesterday, which was our Sunday special edition at 8.30 a.m., which was August the 28th, 2016, is 9033. That's 9033. Now, the OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating, and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to please read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning, everyone. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland. The 12 steps. One, We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and medication to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
and 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. And thank you so much, Esther F. I will now ask Anne-Marie M. to please read the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning, everyone. This is Anne-Marie M., compulsive overeater in um, South Carolina, the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should be, remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always make maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. And thank you much, Anne-Marie M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Now, once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. And in order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Okay, today we resume our study in the big book on page 95. And our first reader is going to uh, read two paragraphs, uh, the first for context, and the second paragraph will focus our shares on that. Okay, Carrie P., would you please begin reading? Start one to unmute. Good morning. Can I be heard? You can be heard. Good morning, everyone. 
unless your friend wants to talk further about himself, do not wear out your welcome. Give him a chance to think it over. If you do stay, let him steer the conversation in any direction he likes. Sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once, and you may be tempted to let him do so. This is sometimes a mistake. If he has trouble later, he is likely to say you rushed him. You will be most successful with alcoholics if you do not exhibit any passion for crusade or reform. Never talk down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. Simply lay out the kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. Show him how they work for you. Offer him friendship and fellowship. Tell him that if he wants to get well, you will do anything to help. If he does not... If he is not interested in your solution, if he expects you to act only as a banker for his financial difficulties or a nurse for his sprees, you may have to drop him until he changes his mind. This he may do after he gets hurt some more. And this is Carrie P., a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. And in my experience, you know, I've had people you know, want to go faster, and I hate to say that today they're not even here anymore. And and I couldn't go faster because I was going through the books. I was working it as it was laid out for me. And as far as a banker or a nurse for their sprees, I'm very clear in the beginning that if you're in the food and you're drunk, we can't do this work together. And so I don't have to worry about people dropping or dropping people because I get dropped all the time, <laughs> you know. And and I have, it, you know, it's funny. I've been I've been around long enough now that I I'm starting to have people who I worked with in the beginning calling me back because they dropped me and then they work, did the work with someone else, and they're wanting to reconnect. So. You know, whoever you find your higher power with and work these steps, that's great. But I, you know, I also understand that I don't have to chase anyone. You know, the food will drive them back, you know, if this is a problem for them. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Well, thank you, Carrie P. Okay, we'll now open the meeting for uh, shares about approximately three minutes. Who would like to begin? Ness R. Kim J. Nessa R. Kim, Kim J. Mm. I heard somebody before Nessa R. Chrissy G. Chrissy G. Okay, I heard Chrissy G. Nessa R. Leia D. Kim G. Did I hear Melissa? Leia D. No, before you, dear. Melissa, did I hear you? Yes. Yes. Melissa C. And one more. Layer D. Okay, let's do layer D, and we'll, we got another group going to be going coming. So let's do Chrissy G. You're up. Hi, this is Chrissy G. Recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey, and I'm so grateful to be able to share this morning. I um, Pain is the best motivator for all of my feedback, including my compulsive overeating, and I I happen to. Uh, has codependency that, that I struggle with and and also um, other addictions. So I've been I've been down many, many roads of pain and thankfully turned back around and, and went the other way. But 
that's the path that I was going to go down. And it's hard to let people go down a path that you know is going to lead to only pain and destruction. It, it's, it's really hard. If I remember that I'm not God, then it's easier. And if I remember my own path and what I had to go through, it's easier. And, and they, they have a really, really harsh saying in another 12-step program. It's like when some, because we see in some programs with some addictions, you see people die really, really quickly. I think with food, it, it's sometimes slowly. And when people um, go out and then they don't come back and you find out that they're no longer with us, you know, it's like, well, that person, that person is an example for 20 more people. They save 20 more people because it's, it's a real, it's a real killer. It's not just a pretend, you know, oh, you know, like a, an exaggeration that this disease kills. And, and it, it gets scary. It gets scary when you go down that road and you get close. You feel that. You feel like you're on the brink of, of losing your, your life, your sanity, and and hopefully with God's grace you turn back around and you know where to go. That's the whole thing, planting the seed, knowing where to go. And with that, I pass. Well, thank you. And just a reminder, we're, we're focusing our shares on paragraph 2, page 95. Okay, Nessa R., it's your turn. Hi, good morning, Vision for You. My name is Nessa R., recovered in Toronto, Canada. So um, before the 12 steps as laid out in the big book, I tried so many things um, to control my eating and control my weight, even while in the rooms um, of OA. And the only thing that worked for me was putting down the food, and then working the steps according to the big book. And, and as a result, it's very natural for me to be very passionate about this. Um, but this paragraph is giving me um, a number of warnings. You know, firstly, it's telling me there is a very fine line between helping and enabling. Uh, it's telling me that I cannot make somebody willing to do what is necessary to recover from his from this dreadful disease, only pain, only pain can do that. And as, as was said before, you know, the uh, effects of food addiction are not as immediately punishing as the effects of, of, of other addictions. But even then, there's nothing I can do. You know, pain has to do its work or not. Um, and thirdly, I cannot care more about somebody's recovery than they themselves care. It just, it just won't work. You know, um, I can lead a horse to water, but I cannot make it drink. Uh, only pain and desperation will do that. And that is a one-man job. And that's the way it worked for me, you know, after years and years and years of trying so many things, you know. Um, the rooms of OA were not the first ones I stepped in to try to uh, deal with my food issues. Uh, and even while in the rooms, you know, dieting with group support and, you know, all the hugs and all the encouraging words and all the I love you until I love yourself and all the tries at fat serenity, you know, um, nothing did it for me until I was, I was ready. Um, and when I was ready, my teacher appeared um, in, the, in the form of, of my current sponsor but I had to be willing. Nobody could make me willing, and there was no amount of enabling 
that um, helped me recover. And I need to um, I need to remember the same thing as I try to carry the message to others inside and outside the rooms. And I pass. And thank you, Nessa. Kim G. Good morning to you. It's your turn. I'm sorry, Janice. Did you say Kim G? Okay, sorry. No problem. Um, okay, good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. Um, you may have to drop him until until he changes his mind. So I just kind of want to flip the other side of this. We're talking about the obstructions for the sponsor, but what about the people on the line, which is the majority of the people, because this is the truth of our fellowship, who are in the food right now, who are struggling. So maybe look at it from this time. What are you interested in? You know, are you just looking for a life coach? Are you just looking for someone to vent, you know, how your day was so that you can kind of get a little bit of relief just for this 24 hours? You know, I think to myself, you know, if really just talking about my feelings and talking about the misery of being a compulsive overeater was enough, I would have I would have recovered years ago because I would have recovered in the all-you-can-eat buffets with my binge buddies talking about the misery of being a compulsive overeater. So the question you want to ask yourself if you really want the solution. You know, I often hear my sponsor fired me. You know, but ask yourself, were you able to stay abstinent? Because like Carrie said, we can't, you can't apply this work unless the food is down. Are you following directions? Or are you saying, well, yeah, I didn't have time to make my phone calls or go to that meeting or do the assignment that you gave me? Or I didn't have, I'm sorry, I know I was supposed to call you last night, but I got a little, you know, tied up and I didn't call you. You know, I, this is not unusual even for compulsive overeaters. I think to myself, I've seen it at my job. You know, we have an attendance policy, and people have certain number of times they can be late or call out, and they go well above that, and they get fired. In my opinion, they didn't get fired. They, they, they left the company because the company had clear-cut directions about what the requirements are to be an employee there, and people have chosen not to do those requirements. It's the same thing with us. And people think, well, you, my sponsor fired me. They're so mean. But I think of it, you know, and because we, we can be really immature. I know I was. And it's like kids saying, but mom, all the other kids do it. Why won't you let me do it? All the, other, all, the, all the other meetings let me be in the food. All the other groups say it's not a big deal. I just have to work the tools only. You know, that's like a parent saying, you know, a kid coming in, but mom, all the other kids text while they're driving. Why can't you just let me text while I'm driving? That parent knows that texting while driving their child may die, and they're going to hold them to the accountability. That's what I know. I know if you don't do this work, you're going to die. So I'm more concerned about your death than you liking me. You know, I think of this as last thing. My, my grandfather was an active alcoholic until the day he died. And my mother, I asked my mother one time in high school, well, did Grandpa ever try to stop drinking? And she laughed. She's like, Kim, why would he? Every time he came drunk, mom would wake up me and my three sisters and we'd pull him out of the bushes and if he threw up on himself, we'd clean them all up. And every morning he woke up in clean white sheets. Why would he change his behavior? So we need to let the food do what it's worth until you change your mind. And when you change your mind, when you know that you're licked, our hand will always be there. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Kim G. Okay, Melissa C., it is your turn. Hi, good morning, Janet. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And um, 
you know, for someone like me, it's very uncomfortable to drop someone. Um, that's just, you know, it, it seems so harsh, and um, and it just goes against my thought of being helpful. But um, truly, it's not being helpful to let somebody continue on um, in, like, dull misery. You know, I, I think sometimes the, the great awakening has to be... Um, you know, has to be the hard, the hard kind of message. And, um, you know, it, but I also think that doesn't mean that if somebody is struggling to get abstinence, we just um, ignore them. You know, like I think when somebody calls me and they're struggling, um, I have a responsibility to reach out, you know, a hand of hope. Um, I haven't had anybody, um, I have had people drop me um, because, I keep redirecting them to the work, to the work, to the work. And if you don't want to do the work, um, you know, there's nothing else I have to offer you. Um, I haven't had anyone ask me to be their banker, thankfully, but I have had people that would maybe like me to be their therapist. And, you know, maybe in a time when my program wasn't so strong, I kind of liked that. That kind of made my ego feel really good. I could give them some good advice and, but that didn't do anything to arrest the, this disease. And, um, you know, and so, yeah, sometimes people have to go out. They have to sadly suffer some more. Um, you know, if somebody calls me and looks for help, um, yeah, you've, you've got to put the food down first. That's the bottom line. Put the food down. At least be willing to say, I have to put the food down. I need to put together a food plan. I have to commit to a daily food plan. And I have to do the work of the steps. I can't do one or the other. You know, I can't do the steps drunk. That's not going to work. I can't work with someone like that. And I can't just give you a food plan without doing any steps because that may as well be Weight Watchers, and that's not what we have to offer. So, you know, if someone's struggling, um, I'm there with loving support, but um, but we'd have to do the work. Thank you. If that will pass. And thank you, Melissa C. Okay, Le- Leah D., is that correct? Leah D? Star 1, Good morning, it's Leah D. Yes. I wasn't sure if star 6, star 1. I was pressing all the stars. Here I am. Good morning, it's Leah D. Recovered in Brooklyn. Um, wow. I'm sitting and taking notes because I'm learning how to do this. I really want to be a good 12-stepper. I want to be able to work this part of my program to the best of my ability because I'm in the room with 40 years as a chronic relapse with only 266 days of recovery because I had fat serenity, I had group dieting, I had tools, I had that. I wasn't a good 12-stepper. Um, I, was, I, was, I was a dictator. You know, I, I knew what was right, my way or the highway, and I pushed it down your throat, and I never let you speak. So every day I'm learning more and more. So if he's not interested in your solution, if he expects you to act as a banker, yada, 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 you may have to drop him. I'm learning how to even listen to another person. I mean, I never listened. I just said, well, this is what you do. So... um. I was in a meeting yesterday, and I went back to a live meeting, and I just want to share that they were reading the big book, and the first person reads the chapter, and she goes, well, 
I just hate the big book. I just hate it. I think it's, it's just no good. I like the tools and I gasped. <laughs> and when I wanted it, I wanted to run over and, you know, give it a hope. And I said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving something that somebody doesn't want anymore. And then someone shared about the pain she was in and where she was coming from. And I said, this person I can share with and today, she's my experiment. And I say that in a loving way because I would love to learn to give it over the way it's written. So I'm going to be gentle. If she's not interested, I'll let go. If I'm not, I will. And I never, and no one ever asked me to be their banker, but people just want to talk and talk and talk, and all they really want is a food plan. And I know that's not the answer. And I don't know if people come back after they hurt some more. I listened to Larry yesterday and about the 2% recovery rate. We're in the low bottom here, people. We've got to bring this up. This is trouble. I walk around the streets and I see this trouble. And I want to be a good giver over. I want to be a good giver over. And I want to be able to learn how to do this with kindness and God. And thank you for letting me share. Okay, thank you, Leah D. All right, um, whom else would like to, uh, before we go on? Bassa O. Bassa O, good morning. Andy B. Anyone else? Andy B. Okay, anybody else? Leah M. Leah, Leah M. Anyone else? Sharon F. <clears throat> Sharon S. Let's take those four and we'll be on our way. Begin, Vasa O, please. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And thank you, Janice, for your service. Mm-hmm. It was very uncomfortable for me to, uh, let, to let people go because I didn't want them to suffer <clears throat> like I was. And it was very uncomfortable when people dropped me as a sponsor, you know. But anyways, I, you know, again, for me, I needed to stay abstinent and to go through life the way life is, you know, and feel those feelings, you know. And no matter how uncomfortable I felt, I didn't go back to the food to make me feel comfortable. Um, you know, I know for me, I guess when the student is ready and the teacher would appear, and that, and that, was, my, that was my story. I was so, so desperate and I was so willing to surrender to a higher power, which I didn't know what higher power was. I didn't want to die. I was w- willing to surrender and to surrender to this beautiful, beautiful book, the way it's laid out. It, it's such a gift. It's such a gift to me. You know, I thank God every day for inspiring those poor people to put this book together and what the solution to my problem was. I didn't even know there was a solution, you know. My solution was the food, you know. Um, So, again, for me, you know, to know, to read the doctor's opinion, to know about the allergy, the physical allergy, physical allergy, the mental obsession. And for me, food, it was just nothing about it. I needed to put the food on, no matter how uncomfortable it was for me to go through the withdrawals and not to pick it up, and to work the steps they were laid out, the way they laid out. And I love doing the 12th step, you know. If anybody calls me up, you know, believe me, I make the time, you know. But I don't chase people anymore. I, at the beginning, I was chasing people. Oh, come on, you know, try it again, come back. 
whatever, you know. I, I, you know, they have to be desperate. They have to be desperate like I was. And uh, and I've had people that have called me, friends of mine that walked away from the program and said, you know, if you still have your abstinence, don't go back to the food because it's a torture for them, you know. Some of them came back. Some of them, they didn't. They The disease killed them, you know. But I'm just so grateful that I have been with you on this journey of recovery for decades and decades, and this is the only thing that has worked for me. And I'm looking forward to meet you all at the convention. Thank you, and I pass. Well, thank you, Vasa. Oh, okay, Andy B., it's your turn. Andy uh, B. <clears throat> yeah, thank you. Thank you for your patience. Um, my name is uh, Andy, and uh, I'm a food addict in Miami. And uh, I just, I love, I love everything that um, gets shared on this meeting. I, I, I want to just kind of like share uh, to those people out there who, um, who, who maybe are sponsoring in a way that they don't hear uh, sometimes talked about on the line or whatever. And, and that's, that's this. It's, it's a higher power thing. It's a higher power thing. And, and I love the idea of sticking with the big book. I love the idea of bringing the focus back to the solution. I love the idea of probably the best sponsor I ever had was someone who, uh, who was very ruthless about bringing it back to, you know, my side of the street, you know, what's going on in your side of the street, um, which is so much of what the step step work uh, is about, um, I get uncomfortable uh, <laughs> when I hear um, people, you know, like the, the idea, and I don't know what's right or wrong, but I get uncomfortable with the idea of people getting fired for being food addicts because my experience with this disease, and I'm a low bottom food addict, is that, uh, you know, um, expecting a food addict to not be a food addict um is 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 just fraught with peril and danger and um and and a divorce from compassion and compassion is what is is necessary um and i and so to put it kind of like a more uh fine point on it the best sponsor i ever had was someone who never fired me and the way she presented the solution to me, and she lived this way of life, um, was she basically made it clear, hey, here I am, here's the solution, and whenever you're interested, you know, let's get with the solution. You know, it, it, she was like, here's the safe harbor, here's the place to come, and that worked for me. Um, and so I just kind of want to put that out there that, you know, higher power uses all kinds of people, um, all kinds of paths, and you can still carry the message of this big book without firing people. And um, thank you for letting me share. And thank you, Andy B. Okay, Leah M., it's your turn. Thank you so much, Janice. If he's not interested in your solution, you may have to drop him until he changes his mind. This he may do after he gets hurt some more. Um, 
Yeah, we, you know, when we're recovered, uh, the big book says we have recovered and have been given the power to help others. You know, we have a we have a past, and we become God's agents in sharing our experience. And, um, you know. <laughs> Not everybody is ready for this process. Certainly not everybody is ready for this process. And certainly Overeaters Anonymous um, has kind of created a culture where uh, OA has become a place where all you do kind of is, is keep them from being lonely and, and allow them to be comfortable rather than OA being a place that's uncomfortable if you don't do the steps. Um, that doesn't mean we're not loving or compassionate. It just means that, um, you know, there is a solution and we have limited amount of time to work with people. And so, therefore, we expend that time and energy with people who want what we have and have gotten the results because of the application of these 12 steps. Because if you're like me, and I don't know if you are, but if you're like me, your greatest obstacle to your recovery is your own judgment. (laughs) Thinking that you know what's best for you is what got you here. At least that was true for me. So how sinister it would be if we turned over your prescription for your own recovery to your own judgment, the same judgment that got you here when you didn't want to come here, the judgment that you exercised, if you're like me, all your life. And so, you know, when when someone wants to work and we say put down the food and they resist that um, and, you know, Yes, we are powerless over food, but we're not helpless. And it is, it is hard. No one's going to say that process is hard. But it is a necessity to put down the food before implementing these steps. So essentially, what I'm saying is folks sink or swim on their own because they have to do the work. I, I don't do the work for them. I share my experience. I'm certainly here for them. But... You know, when you're alone, willingness is is a one-person job. So, you know, that's kind of the way it it goes here. And, I, you know, I've learned over the years, over the course of decades of working with people, how to be compassionate, how to be loving, and yet tough at the same time. It is, it is, it is quite a um, tightrope that we walk. I think parenting has, has helped me in that effort. How do you be compassionate, offer friendship, uh, be a fellow to somebody who's in pain, and yet at the same time um, have certain standards of what it's going to take to begin this work. And that standard, I'm wrapping up, is putting down the food. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. And thank you, Leah. <clears throat> okay, uh, we have Sharon S. It's your turn. Sharon S. Star one, so, two, unmute. Shannon F. from Duluth, Minnesota here. Grateful to be on the line. Um what comes to mind is a quote I heard from another fellow on um, a phone call. And this quote, she said, rejection is God's protection. And I am, um, especially when we experience the rejection from people that are newer, um, especially if the ego is on overdrive. I mean, because when we are newcomers, we can come into the rooms, especially if we're coming from other programs, 
thinking, I know how to work the steps. I just need to get you a sponsor, and I'm going to tell you you how I'm going to work the steps, and then I'm going to tell everybody else how to work the steps. I mean, our ego can smell worse than a fart in an elevator, basically. So when somebody needs to go back to pain, it can not only protect our own recovery, but it can protect the recovery of the group. I'm experiencing that with working with some other people and phone calls and trying to help them work the traditions. Um, but this reminds me of like when we were, when we were kids, um, and we were having personalities rather than principles and being little brats about things. Um, you know, my dad would say, go back to your room and sit and think about this until you're actually really ready to say sorry, until you're actually really ready uh, to see what your actions are doing, um, to the well-being of people around us. So sometimes, I, I looking back on my story, I had to go back to a lot of pain and misery to really see that um, all of my actions and all of the way of my thinking was really harming um, the people around me. So when this paragraph is highlighting that, you know, if this, if he is ready to get started and anxious to proceed um, and we're tempted to let them do so, we may have to like stop and take a double check and really make sure if that's really the best because this paragraph says sometimes this is a mistake. Um, and we have to really see, like really see, is there voice, is there energy at a place of humility? Are they at a place of being willing to be told directions? I know that for me, um, I wasn't always quite there. Part of me wanted to resist their directions, but the other part of me knew I was going to die if I didn't. So I had to really focus on the part of me that was going to die if I didn't to become humble, to be willing to take directions from a sponsor. So those are the things that pop up in my crazy mind this morning that I figured I'd share. Um, Shannon F. from Duluth, and I would love to connect with you guys on phone calls. Take care. Well, thank you much, Shannon S. Okay, this is Janice M. I just want to take a minute before we go on to the next paragraph. I'm Janice M. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. You know, the big book makes it very, very clear here, very clear. You know, it's talking about tough love. You know, um, when they think something is important, the writers of these recovered alcoholics, they repeat it. Oh, they're awesome. Like on page 90, it says, you know, it tells us the very first paragraph, when when you discover someone, you know, that doesn't want to stop eating, compulsively or eating, having a food, you have to let them go. Now, I mean, I don't know more than these recovered people. This is our pioneers. So this is what I do. I may not want to let them go, but I know the truth today as a recovered compulsive overeater because I sat in the rooms and this is just my experience that, you know, to go on and on and on. And, and, it, and it was a very, very suffering three decades because I didn't, I wasn't presented the truth, you know. See, innately, <clears throat> we want to be liked as a sponsor. Oh, you know, we want to be liked. We want to be approved of. We, we think, oh, they're going to talk about me, that Janice let me go, or whatever it is. Well, let me tell you something. Um, I'll tell you what I know best. I know how to compulsively overeat. And I know how it is to continue to compulsive overeat in these rooms. So, you know, 
this is a volunteer army. If, if you don't want a recovery and you just want, you know, somebody to socialize with, um, you know, or to, you know, be a therapist, like it was mentioned about your marriage, I don't know what's good for you. I know what's good for me. I don't even know what's good for me, I mean. But I do know about compulsive overeating. And I do know the truth that the food has to be down because I've tried it all kinds of different ways. So what I know best is what I'm going to teach and guide because I know what I have today. And this is tough love. You know, it's tough love. Nobody wants to do this, but it tells me in the book. It's very clear. You may want to drop him for his, for his sake, not for my sake, for his or her sake, that perhaps the next time, you know, this disease progresses and it will be easier for them to put the food down first before we embark on the steps. So that's all I have to say for that for today. And I'd like to go on, if we may, to our next reader, Santa, Santa H., please. Good morning, everybody. My name is Santa H., a grateful compulsive overeater living in a solution one day at a time. If he is sincerely interested and wants to see you again, ask him to read this book in the interval. After doing that, he must decide for himself whether he wants to go on. He should not be pushed or prod by you, his wife, or his friends. If he is to find God, the desire must come from within. If you think he can do the job some other way or prefer some other spiritual approach, encourage him to follow his own conscience. We have no monopoly on God. We merely have an approach that works with us. But, that, but point out that we as alcoholics have much in common and that we would like, in any case, to be friendly and let it go at that. Okay, I'm going to focus my comment on, two, on the first paragraph that I read where it says he must decide for himself, and then also where it says if he is to find God, the desire must come from within. The bottom line for me as a guy, I am... Um, Assessing the nature of a potential protege's resume and its disease. I must allow the disease to do its job. And its mission for an addict is to suffer and to be dead. So for me, um, the pleasure of food is always temporary. So if I need more and more of it, then it has a grip on me. And what I desire so strongly has become my jailer, trapping me into believing that it will bring me peace, security, or happiness, but it never does. Now, imagine a compulsive overeater believing that peace, security, and happiness are available with inexhaustible supply of food. That scenario is impossible. Because the pleasure of food that brings lasts but a few seconds. And then the opposite of peace, security, and happiness clicks in. The addict keeps trying to fly by running faster. And then ultimately, he or she comes to despise his or her life 
and destroy him or herself in the process. And this is the cold, hard fact of my disease. So I, as a compulsive overeater, had to be in a corner with myself. When I was forced to come face-to-face with myself and my pain and no longer had a choice, but only then I fully understood how much change I have always been capable of making when I was truly willing to make an all-out effort. So I just want to close with this. One who seeks the solution will find it. One who abandons the search as hopeless will find at once a hopeless life. It is a question of courage and effort, a question of desire. We either work in accord with the power within us or by opposing it, destroying ourselves. And it is for each compulsive overeater to decide. And with that, I will pass. And thank you, Santa H. Okay, who would like to share a comment on these last two paragraphs Duel. on page 95? I did hear you, Duel. Kelsey H. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I heard Duel, and then I think I heard Suji. Is that correct? Yeah. Suji, and I I get the last one is next. After Suji. There was somebody before you, Renee, I think. Kelsey H. All right, let's let's go to, um, let's do Duel and then Suji. And then we'll do Renee and Chelsea. Okay, Duel, you're up. Good morning, good morning. This is Duel, a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Um, Great to be here. This, uh, this, these two paragraphs really speak to me today. I'm working with someone on step one, and she's having a hard time of letting go. And, um, you know, and I keep reminding her, you know, that this is a job within. You know, uh, I can't give her two themes, and that's a higher power and willingness. It, it's an inside job. Um, only, only she will know what those binge foods are for her and what she needs to let go. And, one of the things that I, I want to, you know, stress in step one is that it's a twofold disease. You know, people forget. They, they put down the food and think everything's going to be okay. No, step one is about twofold. It means I put down the food and then I work on the rest of the steps and smashing the delusion that I'm like a, a, another, you know, normal eater. Um, you know, and so I don't have to prod and push this person you know, because the disease will eventually, you know, do the job for, for me, you know. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it's painful, you know, to see someone go through that. And, um, you know, but you don't, have to, you don't have to, you know, take charge because God's already in charge of that person. Um, all you have to do is just let them know what has been your approach. And, and that's why I love this. And I, I always recommend this to people. If, if you think this is not for you, then, you know, you're welcome back to your misery. You're welcome back to your state of being. But if you have no other mere, no other solution, then maybe you want to try the approach that we have to offer. And for me, it's these steps. For me, it's the big book. For me, it's going through and following the clear-cut directions that have been given to me. 
you know, and I need to follow them because if not, I'm going to be, you know, in misery. I'm going to be in, in agony, you know, through the disease because the disease will beat me into a state of reasonableness. It will. It's a tedious process, but, you know, some of us have to go through it and others, you know, are smart enough to follow the directions and, you know, um, save themselves from, from a lot of hurt, you know, but again, you know, it's the approach. And we say this in love because, you know what, I say this in love because I know that the disease is, I mean, it just wants to destroy you. And the disease is not kind. The disease is not loving. The disease will deceive you. You know, it will lie to you. It will make excuses and justifications. At least I come with the truth. And the truth is not easy to hear when you don't want to hear it, you know. But at least, you know, you have the, the option. Either go towards misery or go towards recovery. And I hope that you choose recovery today. And with that, I pass. And thank you. I just want to remind everyone that, you know, I hear some water running, and it could be distracting when we're talking. Please, star one, to mute your phone. Sue G., it's your turn. Thank you, Janice. Um, Sue G. from Michigan, recovered by the grace of God. You know, I was thinking, if we really did this the way AA did, we'd have them read the book ahead, too, so they could get an idea of where they stand, um, whether they're interested, whether they uh, are truly interested beyond just being interested, because we can let someone go when all they've done is read a little bit of the big book maybe just doctor's opinion. And we want them to put the food down right away. And if someone had done that to me, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. Because until I was ready, which I was ready when I came into the vision meeting, um, it took me working step four before I could really consistently put the food down. Well, I could say I wanted to, and I did want to. But there was a lack of understanding about the disease, about the um, the obsession of the mind. I didn't understand what was going on. It wasn't until I read it and was led through it and guided through it that I understood Um so this is to play a devil's advocate, you know, if we're going to do things according to the big book, if they're interested, we ask them to read the big book. And um, and then we'll talk after that. Meantime, they can really, an alcoholic can really do a lot more drinking and, and a compulsive overeater can do a lot more eating, a lot more damage. But they don't talk about that there. They just talk about if he's interested, we, you know, if they're not interested, period, we don't go further. They didn't have enough sponsors to go around to, to spend a little more time working with somebody like we do now. You know, praise God that we have as many um, sponsors available as we do. I mean, there every once in a while we have nine people say that they are at one meeting. Um, so, you know, and they do have to find God and and. And it has to be within themselves. And so if they're, if they're reading the big book and not just hearing 
our experience, strength, and hope. Um, they're going to get the spiritual through that. So I, you know, I wish there was a way that you know we could. I I don't want to use the word protect, but you know, get a person to say they can put the food down right away before we work with them. But I couldn't do that, and uh, I just uh, lost somebody that that time was. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, thank you. Um, thank you for letting me share. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Suji. I'm just trying to get two more people in before we close. Let's start with Chelsea H. That's who I meant first. About two minutes apiece, okay? And then Renee, kindly. Thank you, Janice. Um, Chelsea H., Recovered Compulsive Eater, just for today. Um, two lines that step out to me is, if he is to find God, the desire must come from within. And we have no monopoly on God. We merely have an approach that worked with us. This really speaks to me of allowing the powers that be to guide the whole interaction period. I'm not the God. That I've discovered in the work. And either this power is going to be everything or it's going to be nothing. And the power will be what the person has to establish a relationship with, not me. So if I am there as a vessel, I'm the lantern, I'm not the light. It tells me in the spiritual experience, most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover. I am the lantern, and the light shines through me. That's The person will walk the path and have their own experience, whether they use the big book or whether they don't. The idea is to have a spiritual approach. So if somebody else, like myself, who doesn't believe in God, needs to be able to recover, I have to follow the directions. If I use another source to tap into my higher power, that's okay, too. The idea is, is that I'm not the power. Insufficient, self-sufficiency is not enough. And a process that will lead me to a power greater than myself is what I need to take. So whether I use this book or whether I use another book, the directions that are in here, ultimately I will be driven back to because the food will beat me back to the directions, even if I don't want to. And even if they're in another book, the idea is to find something greater than myself and adhere to it, turn to it. It's an inner resource. It's something that I can tap into, provided that I'm willing to follow a few simple rules. With that, I pass. And thank you for the time. Uh, Renee, please, you're going to wrap us up in a couple of minutes, please. Good morning. This is Renee C. from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you, Janice, for your service. I wanted to concentrate quickly on the line, if he is to find God, the desire must come from within. I had an experience over the weekend with, with a sponsee and someone from Vision that's been working the steps. And... Um, one person was really willing and, and interested in the big book and could quote the big book. The other person is in another program, and I've been sponsoring her for a long time. And I'm chasing after her. And after reading these passages, I'm realizing that is not what this book is giving me directions to do. It's giving me directions to work with somebody who has either read the book already in the interval and that the person must decide for himself or herself if they want to go on. So with that, I will pass. Thank you all for your service. I love you all. And thank you so much for being considerate. Okay, it is that time to close. So I want to thank everyone who has shared. 
But please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following this meeting. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Chelsea H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, Janice. Thanks for your service. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.